Good evening. Good to see everybody. So we're learning tonight in memory of Lance and Maxine's dads and in their honor. Um, Wilfred Siegel, Zev ben Mardechai Halevi, and Ian Ravis, Issa Getzel ben Eliyahu Halevi. So, uh, then a shot. Coincidentally, my grandfather's WhatsApp was tonight. What's that? Tonight, oh, wow. tomorrow, so, wow. yeah. Is that Eliyahu? Like, or no, other side? No, other side. Okay. So, we have, we have him in mind as well. Yes. Um, and then the Shamas should be elevated in the Garden of Eden and uh, should send down strength to us down here. Mm-hmm. We say that those, those who are in heaven have the opportunity to pray for us in front of the throne of glory, like in, in, in a more direct way. And they pray always for their loved ones and, of course, for the entire Jewish people. So they should represent us well up in heaven and bring down blessings for us. Amen. So, the state that we are in at the moment in the world is one that has aroused many different reactions and emotions. But one of them that is, a, I think, a sustained emotion that has been happening over and over again is one of absolute astonishment. There are so many things that have happened in the last few weeks that can't help but leave you like amazed, confused, and, and, and quite dumbfounded. How is this happening? Is this, is this really happening? I think for, for people of our generation who have had it relatively easy, uh, the things that we're witnessing are just completely uh, stupefying, to, to say the least. Starting with October 7th, the, what, what, what started all this, like the, uh, that such acts of extreme barbarity and, and evil and such uh, unimaginable atrocities happening in our times, like today, that the people could do such things is baffling already. And then the reaction to it and the responses to that, those atrocities, that some people could celebrate it, um, could cheer it on, could deny it, like after it's happened in front of everybody, uh, it's also, it's completely baffling. And then as time has has gone on, so the bafflement has just continued, that not only is it these extremists and these Islamists and terrorists who are are celebrating such things, but then so-called civilized people and people who should be quite enlightened, educated, and what we would think to be normal people, either unable to see it for what it is and name it for what it is or to be silent about it or or even to somehow defend it and justify what what is what has happened and i think for us here it's been close, so close to home here we are in sydney australia peaceful backwater you know away from everything we don't, we don't have problems here. We, we, don't, we don't have real serious issues. We don't go through stuff here. That, that's all stuff that happened somewhere else. And, and then it came to us, and, and it's happening here. And we, and we see you know, violent protests with 
chance to gas the, gas the Jews and, and other things. Uh, Jews being beat, beaten up in the streets of Sydney and Melbourne. Some of it reported, some of it not reported. Uh, and, and the reaction from the world being uh, a, a bit muffled. Of course, we do have a lot of great supporters and there are governments and individuals and people around who see, the, see it for what it is and call it for what it is and, and support us. That is certainly true. But uh, sometimes it seems like that's almost the minority. And, and so we, we sit like thinking, what, what, is, what is happening? What has happened to the world? How do we make sense of this? And, and how, how do people, some of the people who seem to be siding with the terrorist side, don't, don't seem to be a, a, a good match to it. Like, you know, if, you, if it's one thing if you're uh, an Islamic extremist and you're, you're into that type of stuff and you, you believe it, fine. But like these far-left, liberal, uh, peace type of people, you know, who, who are into all types of openness and equality and tolerance and progress and, you know, how do they match up with Hamas? Like here you have an extremist religious ideology and you have people who are completely secular in the extreme and they seem to be aligning with that. You've got this very narrow uh, view of the world, uh, one that's really like a, a, a sort of middle age type of barbarism and then you've got these people who see themselves as postmodern, ultramodern, uh, matching with that. You've got, you've got people who are extremely uh, bigoted in their views so, and, and people who are supposed to be completely open-minded and siding with them. Like, what, how does this even make sense? What, what's going on? How, how do people not see it? And, and the, the type of statements people make about Israel. Like, we know Israel. Israel is, a, is, is like a normal country with, with normal people trying to get on with their lives, peaceful, good people. And we all know that. And we all know that if, if, if the terrorists would put down their weapons, that, that there'd be no issues. Like, there, there wouldn't be any wars. And it's so obvious to anyone who knows. And yet Israel is painted as the aggressor and the occupier and the terrorist state and whatever, all the other epithets that, that they use. It's so, so confusing. How, what's going on? Has the world gone mad? What, what is happening here? And so on and so forth. The baffling things just go, go on and on and on to the point where you start to question your own sanity. Am I crazy? Do, do I, is, am I missing something? So, I think the, the way to make sense out of all this horror and the way to, to, to be clear on what's happening is to go back to fundamentals and to really understand what is battling what here. What is this fight about? What is, it, what is it at its core? And at its core, it is about the battle of good versus evil. 
And, and until we get really clear those definitions, that we're talking about good versus evil, and, and that's what it, this is all about, and until we define that really clearly, so that nothing will make sense and we won't understand it, we won't know who the enemy is, we won't know who we are, and we won't know how to find it. But when we do have that clear, at least then we know, we know what this is about. And it, it is about evil. One thing that we are seeing at this time is something that the prophets pro- did, did talk about. They said that before Mashiach comes, things are going to be clarified. Things are going to be out in the open. Everything's going to come to the surface and be really clear. Things that were muddled and not so clear until it'll all be very clear. Clarity, we'll finally have clarity. And that's something we're seeing now. We're seeing evil for what it is and good for what it is. It's becoming clearer and clearer who is on our side, who's not on our side, who has goodness in them and, and who has been sold to evil. And that clarity, as painful as it is, is a very good thing. Because when you have clarity, then, then you know what you're dealing with. So to understand this, I want to go back to the very beginning of evil, to understand its nature, why it exists, what it is, how it spreads, and how to deal with it. How do we fight evil? So to do that, we're going to speak about some very deep ideas, but apply it very practically. Why does evil exist? Why is there the existence of evil? Why is, is there such a thing as evil in the world? Hashem who created the universe and everything in it is ultimately responsible for everything in it. And surely, axiomatically, Hashem is good. Why, so why would there be evil in the world? Why didn't Hashem just create a good world with goodness and that, that is it? Why is, why is there evil? So I see our sages answer that by saying that there has to be free choice. For our life to have any meaning, we have to have choice. We have to choose good. And to choose good means, by definition, there's another choice. There's another way to go. You can only have free choice when there's options. So for our life to have a meaning, for our life to to actually be a life of goodness, there has to be the opportunity to not do good, to do its opposite, which is evil. And so Hashem created in the universe two parts. There's the path of goodness and the path of evil. There is, there's acting kindly and there's acting cruelly. There is doing that which is moral and then there is choosing that which is immoral. There, there is love and there's hate. There's light and dark. There's two paths. And without that, goodness actually doesn't have meaning. If, if there would only be good, it wouldn't have a, a meaning. What, what, what does goodness mean? It only has a meaning in contrast to the evil that you didn't do. And when you do good, it, it has meaning that you're doing it because you did it with choice. You could have done evil. You could have used your powers for evil, but you did it for good. Otherwise, if there'd only be one path, we'd just be puppets. Like an angel, let's say. Angels don't have free choice. They're divine creations that fulfill whatever mission that they're sent on to do. So they can't do the wrong thing. They don't have free choice. There's only one path. So therefore angels are not as high as human beings. Human beings are higher than angels because we have free choice. What we do matters. We make an impact. We can change the world. We can better the world. We can improve the world. We were created with a purpose. Purpose can only come when there's free choice. And free choice can only be when there's two paths. So therefore, there's evil. 
That's why evil exists, as the thing you're supposed to not do, the path you're supposed to not take, to contrast from good. From good. But a deeper question, okay, let's say that's why evil exists, but how can evil exist? Who created Hashem? If Hashem created evil, so then how could it be bad? How could it be evil? It, it's a creation of Hashem. It's, it, it's an expression of Him. So either evil is not evil because it's an expression of Hashem, or evil is evil, but then that means Hashem, who created it, must have evil in Him because He created this evil. This is a, another philosophical conundrum. This is answered by the Kabbalists in the following way. Hashem didn't create evil the same way as he created good. Good is what he wants. Evil is what he does not want. So good Hashem created as a real true entity. Goodness has an infinite innate value. It's reality. Evil is a non-reality is a non-entity. It's what he doesn't want. What you're not supposed to do. Its entire existence is as a non-entity, a non-reality, a, a lack, a void, an emptiness. Like darkness is just the lack of light. It's not, 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 it's not a thing, darkness. When there's no light, there's darkness. It's the contrast of, of, of light. But it's not a thing in and of itself. By Hashem not wanting it, that's how, dark, how evil exists. The thing I don't want. Meaning, at the beginning of creation, evil was not a thing. It was a concept. It was a theory. It was the thing you're not supposed to do. Evil only becomes real if we do it. If we choose it, it becomes real. But as a concept, it's the thing not to do. So Hashem didn't create it. He, he, he didn't want it. He, he non-created it. He said, this is what I don't want. Does that make sense? It's a very deep idea. Um, you know, I mean, it does make sense, but it doesn't. Because I think that it, whatever God thinks is. Correct. So if he's thinking, I don't want this, then he's still creating that. Correct. In the negative. Correct. But, it, but it's in the negative. Yeah. So therefore... What he wants is an expression of him, which is truth. By not wanting it, he gave it an existence. Yeah. But what type of existence? An absence. Uh, yes. A, an absence, a negative existence, a non-entity. The thing that doesn't really exist. That doesn't have a real existence. A human being, if, if I want something, nothing happens. I have to do it. I might want to, to take on a project. But if I don't do it, then nothing happens. My wanting doesn't do anything. For Hashem, wanting creates. If He wants it, it is. He wants good. So good exists now. Just His wanting it creates something because He's infinite. He's all-powerful. He, there's nothing, nothing in, in, that can get in His way. So, so, he, so he, he's, he, he wants it, it is. What if He doesn't want something? What if Hashem doesn't want something? Hashem is so infinite, His not wanting also creates. His wanting creates, and His not wanting creates. But it creates a non-entity. What He wants creates a reality. What He doesn't want, by not wanting it, creates a non-entity. An emptiness, a shadow, a, a contrast. So 
if it's a non-entity, then it's an illusion. Then evil is an illusion. It's it's less than an illusion. It it doesn't exist, but that's the way Hashem created it. The problem is, once people choose evil, we make it into an entity. When people do evil, we 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 embody it. We we give it presence. Its core is nothingness. But when people do evil, it makes it into something. So let's get there. The, the Talmud says. Why not? The question is yeah. if Hashem didn't want it, then he didn't have to think of not having it. Well, he, what does it mean he didn't want it? He wants there to be choice. He wants there to be those two options, right? So then he did, he did create it, not even negative. No. He wants there to be another choice, but he doesn't want there to be evil. But not wanting evil creates another choice. The thing you're not supposed to do. It's like... It's like when you say to your kids, uh, if you don't go to bed, then you're not going to get um, to go on the trip. You don't want them to not go to bed and not go on the trip. That's what you don't want. That's the option you don't want to happen. If they do it, so then it's happened. They've, they've made something out of it. But that was not what you want. You weren't telling them, if you don't go to bed, you're not going on the trip. Okay? So don't go to bed, so you don't go on the trip. That's not what you're telling them. You're saying, I don't want that to happen. But if you don't create that option, then that option is never available. Correct. And if that option is never available, there's no free choice. So what's the difference to the evil and the negative? I mean, negative is sometimes good it's sometimes good to be to be negative meaning to say no to something is sometimes good it depends on the, the circumstance evil means it's bad negative means it's 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 as a non to not do sometimes it's it's, it's right to be to, to to do a negative to, to not do something to hold back on something so the, the words have different meanings so like we supposed to keep kosher but if we but Bought the, the non-kosher meat is it evil or is it negative? It's a, a pro, it's prohibited. It's a prohibited thing. Like so. it, we, you know, Hashem asked us to have to keep kosher. They give the Torah, the Torah us, you know, what's the kosher animals. So if you choose to, to, to you know, like if you go to a supermarket, you choose to buy the non-kosher meat, is yeah. it evil or is it negative? Well, it's, it's, it's evil in that it's a prohibition, that if you go and do something against Hashem's will, that is taking in something that you're not supposed to do, and that's going to have a negative effect, which is, which is a part of evil. One sin leads to another. It's going to have a, have a negative effect on it. So, do you see the difference? That Hashem wants there to be choice. But He doesn't want us to do evil. He wants there to be choice so we choose good. But there's only choice if there's two, two ways. So there has to be evil. But evil is created as the thing not to do. And, and it was created by Hashem saying, this is what I don't want. It's not that I want good and evil. I want good, I don't want evil. That's how it was created in its core. 
And by not wanting it means it's, it's a non-entity. That's its, that's its identity. The problem is that when we follow evil, we do the wrong thing, we give evil air. Form. We give it form. We give it a body. We give it a presence. We, we give it a, a ability to be expressed. And once it's given form, now evil has become real. Now it's something that needs to be dealt with. Like it's, it's no longer just a thing that to not do. It's been done now. So now it's been done, evil exists in our world. It has to be eradicated. That's why it, in Adam and Eve, the first evil they did was to eat from the tree of knowledge. And Hashem said, well, you're going to have to die now. Until then, you could, you could live forever. Because evil was, there was no evil in you. But when you ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you ingested evil, you did an, an act of evil, so now you have to be mortal. Because now there's evil in you, that evil's got to go. It, it can't stay. It can't be eternal. Now you've, you've given it some reality. So is, was that the development of the Yitzhahara? So there's a step before that. Before Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the Yetzirah, which is the voice of evil, Satan, the angel of death, it's all, all different forms, it's the same, same being. The evil was not inside them. Adam and Eve were created as good, pure beings with no internal evil inclination. So then how do they end up going against God's commandment and, and eating from the tree of knowledge? If they didn't have an evil inclination, they didn't have this inner voice whispering them to do the wrong thing, so then... Where did it come from? The snake. From the, the snake. Desire. The snake was an external Yetzirah. It was the, the evil inclination, but not inside of them. It was a voice outside saying, it'll be okay. But created by God, the snake. Correct. Correct. And not the void. Because the snake wasn't the void. Okay. So, here, here, here's the thing. What's the story with this snake? A snake is a snake. It's an animal, right? Okay, this animal spoke. The snake spoke. It was a speaking animal. But like, what is this animal is telling them to, to do the wrong thing? And, and the snake gets punished. People get punished, but the snake also gets punished. The snake had legs. It, they were chopped off. It had the ability to speak. Can't speak anymore. It slithers on the ground. It's going to be hated by people all the time. It eats dust for its, its food. It's like this cursed animal. Well, what's going on here? So that story is introducing the, the face of evil in this world. Evil, because it's a non-entity, because it doesn't have an identity of its own, it doesn't have a self, it always has to enclose in something to express itself in this world. It has to piggyback on something else, someone else, Somebody has to be the embodiment of evil in the world, the voice of evil in the world, the presence of it in the world, because evil has no, no place of its own. And so there'll always be somebody who will put their hands up to be that embodiment of evil in the world. There'll always be somebody, there'll be some movement, some, some group, some... some, some uh, force in the world that has the elements of evil to make it a vessel, a container, to
to express evil in the world. In creation, it was Hashem's creation, it was a beautiful creation. The snake, a snake is, is sneaky, slithery, sly, vicious. It has the right elements to be the expression of evil. It makes itself uh, prone to evil. So, so where is evil going to slip into the world? Who, who is going to be the voice of evil in the world? It's not going to be the koala. <clears throat> but, but the snake. The, the snake can be it. Because the snake is sneaky, sly. It's, it's got the right, the right uh, characteristics. So Satan, let's call, let's call evil Satan. In, in Jewish writings, in Jewish thought, Satan is the angel of evil. The, the spiritual energy of evil in the world that, that Hashem created. Whose job is to be the, the thing not to follow. The, the, the voice not to go after, the path the, to, to avoid. That's, that's, that's who Satan is. Satan is expressed in our, perms, our internal Yetzirah, in the angel of death who, t- who takes us, the, the accusing angel in heaven who accuses us of all of our sins. It's all the same entity, the, the power of evil in the world. So Satan needs to get a footing in this world. And so it has to come through, through some means. The snake was the embodiment of evil in, in the Garden of Eden, the voice of evil. Telling Adam and Eve, God told you not to eat from the fruit, so eat from the fruit. Because really eating from this fruit will give you powers. God doesn't want you to have these powers because you'll be like him. You won't die, it'll be fine. And then after that, after they ate from it, so then they have their own evil inclination within, within them now. And every human being, ourselves included, we have also a voice of evil inside us, this voice that tells us to do the wrong thing, that tries to belittle our good deeds, and it doesn't matter, nothing so important. We have that inside us. Everyone has that. But also, there's always going to be a snake in the world. There's always going to be someone who is the embodiment of evil down here in this world. But they'll never say that. Evil will never label itself as evil. Nobody ever says... I, am, I represent evil in the world. No one, no one makes a movement or an ideology or a, a, or a club or a, or, or a philosophy that is, stands for evil. Hamas. Well, they wouldn't say that. That's the opposite. All, all, all of the evil ideologies of, of history have been saving the world. They've been trying to help the world. They've been trying to do, do good in their own claim, in their own, in their own eyes. Because evil can never just say, I'm evil. If it does, nobody listens to that. Because we may have an evil inclination, we also have a good side. And no one, no one wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be evil. No, no one who's half normal. So evil never presents itself as evil. It always has to have a, a nice ideology, a a set of, of ideas, of, of concepts that, that, are, that are presented as making the world better. But those ideologies that have certain aspects to it 
make it prone to be taken over by evil. And that is the, those ideologies that, like the snake, oppose the word of God in the world. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the fruit. That was just that was the one commandment they had. Don't eat from the fruit. That was all God had told them to do. And the snake was there to say, don't listen to that. Don't listen to what God said. Was the snake taken on purpose or was it believed, as you're saying, believed what it was saying? Is the evil on purpose or is the evil they just believe that? So Satan, Satan knows his job and that is to try and be the counter voice so people should choose good. Satan is an angel of God, created by God. So Satan, this angelic force, knows my job is to try and entice people to do the wrong thing so they shouldn't listen and do the right thing. I'm God's servant. Like every angel, angels just do what God said. They don't have evil. They just do what God says. Even Satan just does what God says. But the person who has embodied, who's channeling that, that, that voice of evil, they really believe what they're saying. They, they think they're right. They don't, they don't think, I'm just, I'm just a challenge in the world to not be listened to. They, they think they, they're right. They believe it, and therefore they are responsible for their actions. The snake was punished for what, for what it did. So, so what, what makes evil evil? It's that which opposes goodness in the world. Goodness being the divine mission, the word, the word of God. And so throughout history there have been uh, evil empires and evil movements and evil ideologies and philosophies. That, and if you look through history, there's, there's always one big evil of a generation. Not the only one, there's always several, but there's usually one big one. And we can understand it from our own evil. Because we all have evil, we've all, we've all done wrong. We all have, have an evil inclination. We've done wrong things. We've, we've, we've listened to the wrong voice. We, all, we know from our own experience. At the beginning, you knew what you were doing. And you, and you chose it. But after you get into evil you actually start to lose control. It starts to control you. You know, like, you have to let yourself lose your temper, but once you've lost your temper, you've lost it. And this evil is unleashed. You're responsible for it. You're responsible for that initial choice. And, but once you make that choice, it takes you on a path where it controls you to a great extent. And it's very hard to get out of it. Not impossible, but it's hard. And you're responsible for, for all of it because you, you got yourself in it. You, know, you start a bad habit, you chose that. Then the habit becomes addictive and then you're stuck in it. But you're responsible for that choice. So... What's fascinating about the movements of evil is that there's one thing that they all have in common. All evils all throughout history have in common. Even though they have been very varied, 
today, the, the, the evil of today's world is Islamic extremism. That's, that's, that's today's major evil. That's, that's, that's the headquarters of evil in today's world. That's, that's who's causing and the source of the most evil in today's world. That, that's, that's clear. That's today. But some generations ago, it was the Catholic Church who were torturing and uh, slaughtering. That, that, that was the, the source of evil in, in the world. A totally different religion to, to, to Islam, but that, that was then. Today, the Catholic Church, I, that, that, I mean, of course, every, every group has evil people, individuals, but as, as a whole, as a movement, the Catholic Church is not a force of evil in the world. Today, it's the, it's, it's the Muslim world. But in between, we've had Nazism and communism, completely secular movements, not, not religious at all. So some are right wing, some are left wing. There's no, there's no one pattern of all these evil regimes who have killed millions and have, have committed the worst atrocities. There's, there's not much they have in common if you look through and compare them. All, they all have done evil, but for very different reasons and excuses and justifications, coming from religious, secular, this side, that side, different. It, they're, they're, they're all different. One thing they do have in common is the hatred of Jews. That, that all the great evils throughout history have had this almost uh, um, obsessive focus on Jews. When, when it didn't necessarily make any sense like, who are the Jews, like, in the, in the Middle Ages, who are the Jews that, that, that they should pick on? Like, a powerless nation, like, why, why, why them? What, what, what does it bother you? So the, the communists, like, what, what, what the, the, the lengths they went to try and uproot Judaism. What does it bother you that the people are going to show why? But this obsessive Jew hatred is something that is, is common to all the great evils of history. And that is because of something that we represent. Whether we like it or not, the Jewish people represents the divine message in the world. The divine mission in the world. This is what we've always been. And that's exactly what evil opposes is the divine message of goodness in the world, that's what evil opposes, more than anything else. And so, evil has to oppose the Jew. It was the Jewish people who, Abraham, our forefather, he was the one who brought monotheism to the world and spread it. It was Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our prophet, who brought the Ten Commandments and the Torah to the world, a, div a divine vision of, of morality to the world. It was, it was our land called the Holy Land. It's, it's we who are, who, who are the chosen people. We are the, we are the bringers of God's message to the world. And so our existence represents that absolute morality, absolute goodness, that there, there is a right and wrong, there is, there is good and evil, 
and it is God-given and is unchanging and it is our responsibility to bring that goodness into the world and to, to fight against evil in the world. That's what the Jewish people represent. And so our existence, by definition, is a problem for evil. And so evil will, will oppose us first. And, and the people in the world who will support us are the people who get that idea. People who get that, yes, there is an absolute morality, a God-given morality that the Jewish people brought to the world. The people who get that will support us. And the people who don't get that will oppose us to varying levels of, of extreme opposition. So, so the, the face of evil in our generation is, is this Islamic extremism. And their, their problem is they think they have the message of goodness. And for our the fact that we still exist is an is a existential problem for them. And not only we exist, we exist in the middle of their empire. I mean, we all know that, that this Islamic movement, they're not just about wiping Israel off the map. They want to take over the world. They want to take over Bondi Beach as well. Israel is just the, the beginning of their war because we're right in the middle of their empire. We are such an insult. Our existence is such an insult to, to their empire. In the middle of that huge sea of, of Islam is this sliver of, of Jews, a, Jew, a Jewish land. That, that they can't handle. But that's because we're, we're the beginning of, of their war. They want to take over the entire world. But the Jews, the, we are a contradiction to what they believe is their right. So that's why they, they oppose us. But then the far-left secular... Her totally, her totally different ideology to, to Islam. N nothing in common. And we imagine, we, we laugh at it because we imagine these people, imagine they went to Gaza to, to, to show solidarity and support. That wouldn't last five minutes. It's like, it's, it's so absurd. It's so ridiculous. So, so, so what do they have in common? It's that they also want to uproot that absolute morality. They, they are also against the idea that there is a God and a God-given right and wrong and an absolute morality. They, their moral relativism, that, that there's no right and wrong, there's no, there's no one right path, no one can judge anybody else and say, you're right, you're wrong, there's no, that opposes the, that, that, that essence of absolute morality. That, no, that, that God says there's right and wrong. That there are better ways to live and worse ways to live. That there's there's a, a moral structure that brings goodness to the world and uprooting that structure brings evil to the world. But they, they can't handle the good evil it's, it's, it, that's not the, they don't see the struggle as between good and evil. It's between oppressor and oppressed. 
the, the haves and the have-nots, the, the elite and then the forgotten masses, or the, you know, they, 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 they use the Marxist language to uh, the struggle of the people and everything like that, but not, not good and evil. And so the fact that we're still here, the Jewish people, and we're still saying the same thing, we're still with, with the same message, with the, the same idea that the world is going towards goodness, we're making a, a good world, and evil has to be fought against, that is what gets them. And so they'll side with people who are the exact opposite of them in every other way, but that essential message of that the eternal moral message of the Jewish people, they oppose that together, so they jump together. So what do you do about all this? What are we, what are we supposed to do? There's, there's, this, there's this massive evil in the world being expressed in all these different ways. What, what are we supposed to do? Do good. So yeah, if, if evil is just a non-entity, so then goodness vanquishes evil. Light vanquishes darkness. It, 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 it's, it's, it's that easy. But it doesn't seem that easy. So I think there's a, like a sliding scale of evil here. That, that, and, the, and there's different ways that it has to be dealt with. If we're talking about the, the face of evil, the essence of evil, there's a certain point where a person has become so evil through their actions, there's no hope for such a person. There's, there's no way back. And such evil has to be eradicated, physically eradicated, otherwise it's going to wreak havoc and it's going to cause much more damage. That's the evil of Hamas. That's just the easiest illustration for us to, today. The evil of Hamas and what, what, what we saw and what the whole world saw on, on 7th of October, that, that type of evil is not going to go away by being nice to it. Or by, by sending, sending love, energy to, you know, to, towards Gaza. That, that's not going to work. Because in the meantime, that evil will kill more people and, and destroy more lives and, and spread further. That's, that's gone to a level where it has to be eradicated. And that's why we have an IDF, and that's why we have a war. And that's, that's the very clear moral grounds for, for, this, for this war. You know, when people say these ridiculous you know, numbers games, that, you know, 10,000 people have, have, have died in Gaza. How many more have to die, you know, before you, you know, you've, you've retaliated for... There's not retaliation for... What, they've said they'll do it again and again and again. And they want to do it again and again and again. It's not about how many, how many people died on, on the October 7th, and it's not... It's, you know, the, the, the numbers that are not... that don't match, it's not... It's, it's nothing to do with that. What do they want to do? They want to kill every single Jew, starting in Israel and throughout the entire world. That's their charter. That's, that's, and they mean it. They've shown they mean it. It's not, it's not theoretical. So 
destroying them is, is, is a moral thing. We, most of us, thank God, have not been in, in war situations, living situations where we have to kill somebody. It's not something that we, on a day-to-day basis, we don't face that. So it, it's, it's reprehensible to us. It's, it's, it's terrible to us. War, and it should be. But sometimes it's the right thing. It's the, it's the moral thing. It, it, goodness can only prevail by eradicating that evil. So that, there's no question of the, of the moral rightness of, of, of this war, of eradicating Hamas. Now, that's Hamas. What about the people around them? And so the people around them, some of them actively support Hamas and, and, and back it and aid it and cheer it on. So they're also part of it. They're, they're also part of the war. And they are also the enemy. You know, the, in the Second World War, it wasn't America versus the Nazi party. It was against Germany, who voted the Nazi party and supported the Nazi party. Yes, not everyone did. But the, but the country supported it. You, you get the leaders that you voted for and you have to take the consequences. What about the innocent people? There are innocent people in Gaza. There are people who don't support Hamas. There are kids who don't know any better. So that is the tragedy of war, of every war. And that breaks our hearts, and nobody celebrates that. But we can't have more pity on those kids than they have for their own kids. We can't. And, and, we, and, and we can't ignore our children's safety at the expense of, of, of theirs. It's the tragic calculus of war. So evil has its headquarters there. And that evil spreads, and, and there are different le- levels and layers of evil, of course, and, and we know what, what the, the IDF is doing. They, they are pinpointing and aiming for the terrorists, but there is a, a legal calculation that if, if you're able to get rid of a bunch of terrorists, and there's going to be some, some civilians who are going to get lost, there's a calculation there that how, how many lives will be saved by getting rid of those terrorists. And as difficult and as painful as, as these calculations are, but they're completely moral. That's, that's the sad truth. And then there's the people who support evil around the world, who cheer it on around the world. What do we do about them? So, in that sliding scale of evil, they are people who may not pose an immediate threat or maybe they do we don't we don't even know our our cousins out west who who's, who are celebrating hamas where, where, where do they come in this so we're not at, at war with them and i don't think that's an evil that we need to be going out and eradicating militarily 
but we have to stand up to it. That that darkness, if it's allowed to, to spread, will get stronger and stronger. And if we pull back and just try and be quiet and out of the way and just, just avoid it, then we're giving it more and more territory. So we have, we have to stand up to that. We have to name it for what it is and, and name it as the evil that it is. It's not just different opinions. It's not, it's not just, okay, you know, like we're pro-Israel, they're pro-Palestine. There's different ways of looking at the conflict. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated topic. That we can talk about in normal circumstances. Yeah, there are different ways of looking at, at, at the whole thing. And there's different debates. Yeah, that's, that's true. But cheering on Hamas murdering babies and, and kidnapping grandmothers, like there's no two opinions on that. There's good and evil. You're either siding with good or siding with evil. And if, if somebody is not able to condemn that, even being pro-Palestine, but they can't condemn that, then they've sold out to evil. That, that's, a, that's a person who cannot differentiate. And that has to be named for what it is, and, and we have to stand up to it. Because if we don't, so then darkness just spreads. But because the root of all of this evil is non-entity, because it doesn't have an actual reality to it. So, the, our strongest weapon is fighting it with good and with light and continuing the, the light. That actually pulls the whole carpet from underneath the entire structure of evil. Because goodness, as it spreads, it, it banishes the darkness. When we say, you know, do a mitzvah for Israel, when we have all these campaigns, you know, put on film, light your candles, say extra to heal him, come to shul, and it's not a feel-good thing. It's, it's, not, it's not just like solidarity, feel good, you know, get together, we'll console each other, and you know, you've done something, you feel like you've done something. That's not what it is. This is the battle. The battle is good versus evil. If you're doing another mitzvah, there's, there's more light in the world. You're increasing good in the world. That is weakening evil. It is. The, the army has to do their thing, but we have to do our thing, and it, it's actually impacting. It's, it's, it's moving the, the dial towards goodness every time we do a mitzvah. Because ultimately, evil is a non-entity. And the incredible wave of goodness that is happening is having an effect. And we're seeing it. In, in, not just in the morale of the soldiers who feel that we're, that we're with them, but in, in their spiritual uh, determination. They, they understand that they're fighting a holy war here. It is holy. It's a, it's a war for goodness, for, for mankind. And so the bits that we do, is, it's, it's a real thing. It's, it's really vanquishing evil, banishing evil. And the unity that we have as well. The incredible unity of the Jewish people, the oneness. We saw it today in Washington. And, and we're seeing it over and over again and again. This unbelievable oneness in Israel. People working together like, like never before. Different parties and factions. And people who not long ago were at each other's necks. And now 
side by side working together, throwing, throwing away all, all the differences. That unity is also not, it's not just a, a feel-good thing, and it's not just we've got a common enemy, so we've got to boundy together and, and, and work together. It's that unity means that my mitzvah my, and my good deed is the soldier's weapon. It goes directly to the soldier, because we're one. We're, we're, we're actually one nation. The, the difference between, one of the differences between evil and good is that goodness unites together as one. Evil cannot do that. Evil cannot have real unity. Because evil, by definition, doesn't care for their fellow evil people. They actually don't care for each other. They can't, because they're evil. They will team together, they will make alliances, selfish alliances to strengthen themselves, but they cannot actually be one. So every evil person in the world is alone. Whereas every good person in the world is, is, a, is one. So while we feel we're so outnumbered, there's this huge, massive, evil empire in the world with so many backers and so, so many people supporting it. And there's this, this tiny little island of goodness trying to fight this, this massive evil. This, like little David against this massive Goliath. It's actually not true. We are the biggest force in the world. The, the Jewish people are the biggest force in the world because we're one. And they're not. They're, they're individuals. And, and the unity that, that we have, that, that collective energy, that is the biggest thing there is. So how's it all going to end? That we know. There's no, that we don't have any doubt about. We know it's, this is a good ending. The, the battle with evil is, is hard. We know that, that, uh, that it, it entails pain. But the pain, the pain that's happened. And please God, enough. There doesn't need to be any more pain. The, the final battle that is predicted when the Mashiach to come doesn't, doesn't have to be any more military battle. It can be the vanquishing of evil by the flooding of the world with good, where evil just is exposed to what it is. And once it's exposed, there's nothing left. And in case this sounds completely dreamlike and some, some utopian, altruistic uh, fairy tale, look at the previous evils of the world, of history, and look where they are today. They're gone. Like without a trace. If, if Germany was, was the, the evil of, of our grandparents' generation, what's Germany today? An ally of, of Israel. They sent, they sent the chancellor there to support. Again, I'm not saying every single individual German, just like I'm not saying every single individual Jew. Like, talking about the collective. So what, what was yesterday's evil is... is gone and pretty quickly it, it it does a lot of evil a lot of damage
But when day comes, it disappears. And so, so will happen to this evil, that it'll disappear quickly, and we will see the final victory of good for the Kanga Mashiach may happen very soon. Amen. They found a hundred year old um, scroll in Gaza today. Oh, they, they found a Torah scroll, very common Torah scroll. Yeah. How did they find that? Did you see? Very remarkable. A, a, a very, from the old Jewish, there was a Jewish community there from. From a family, a hundred mm-hmm. Jews back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. What a question. So, how do you explain this to someone that's, say, not Jewish? Like, there are people out there that just. They haven't bought into the whole Hamas or Palestine thing, but they're just not sure. They're, they're pretty informed, they're intelligent people. But they're just like, well, this side's saying that that is totally false, you know. That side's saying that's totally false. So they're, yeah, so they're just harab in a sense, you know what I mean? So how, how do you explain to those type of people what what's going on? Like how would you then, yeah, take this concept, distill it, it to someone that's not Jewish, let's say? Well, I think you have to look at the, the immediate conflict that we're talking about right now mm. is not um, an isolated incident. Like, the, we've seen terror, mm. we've seen ISIS, mm. we've seen Al-Qaeda. Mm. They're all, all the same thing. They're all doing the same thing and saying the same thing. Mm. Like... Like, nobody on 9-11 said, well, there's two sides to, to this. It's, you know, there's two ways of looking at this. And, you know, like, America has done the wrong thing. Yeah, but that, this, this, the, this, this is just pure evil. And that's why I think the word evil has to be used. Not, not crazy, not insane. Not that these, these guys are crazies. That, that excuses them. If, if they're insane, they can't help it. They're, they're just a bit nuts. No, they're very calculated. This is a very well-planned, calculated, evil act. And, and the, the, you're talking about Gaza, which Israel left in 2005. You know, you're talking about a two-state solution. This was, this was an experiment. Let's, let's give them land, give them autonomy, and see what they make of it. I think for me, um, one of the things in terms of having conversations, and I, I think sometimes you just have to assess whether it's worthwhile mm. as well and mm. or not, but yeah. one of the things that um, just simple interactions is just talking about humanity's soul. So kind of making it slightly more abstract and not making it about a right and wrong thing. It's just about that we have every... that. Humanity has, we all need to live in a peaceful and good world. And uh, w- what does that look like? Like, you know, what, what will, what, and, and so, you know, being able to name the killing as, 
as evil, but 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 this is a call for humanity. Mm. I think yeah. like a deep call for for us, our humanness. Because mm. if yeah. you if you bo- think, yeah. yeah sorry no if you boil it down to what yeah the two sides want yeah what does Hamas want. So no, they, I'm talking they, with you. you no, know, I know, I know you are. I'm just saying to saying, simplify I it. I know the people I'm talking to. That, that if, if Hamas want yeah. to obliterate Israel, they yeah. they say that in the charter. They they do they don't want coexistence. They don't want two states. They want to obliterate Israel. What does Israel want? Peace. So, yeah, to, yeah, to to be, to live in peace. Yeah, and unfortunately, when when that is your neighbor. So, being nice to them doesn't work. Mm. They try that. I'm just, yeah, I guess I'm saying, so yeah, let's say we eradicate Hamas, which is going to happen. But then what has been that out of the bag is this movement, let's say pro-Palestinian movement, which is anti-Semitism, with that disguise which they're not saying we are evil, we want to kill, but, no. but they're disguising the anti-Semitism in this piece in that sense. So it's like, it's not like, they're not caught in like the full-on evil yet, mm-hmm. but they're, and they would probably never do, they'd never touch a fly, like they wouldn't hurt anyone, but they've given, the legitimized, this anti-Semitism through, you know, mm. anti-Israel. And I feel like that's been let out of the bag Absolutely. and that's just like a free-for-all. Yeah. So even though we've got the evil, will, will that then like suck back in and go away? Or I feel like that's, you know, out there. And then... Mm. So very much so. And the academic, like that whole, these are very like, you know, interesting yeah. academic yeah. slant. I to see it. You know, like seeing that side, mm. never seen a community all around the world come together as Jews have. And, you know, yeah, yeah. You know as, yeah. As, as bad as that is, I've seen such yeah. a beautiful other side. Mm. Yes. Yeah. People just can't do enough. Which is, and, yeah. And before, there was just, in Israel, it was just, everyone was at each other. But I, I think... If you're talking to somebody who's reasonable, you're not talking about mm. to those people who are just not reasonable. Yeah. You're talking about somebody who's reasonable, just looking at this. So it needs to be named again for what it is. It, it mm. says, well, this, this is just anti-Semitism. Yeah. Like they, these people did not march when Syria slaughtered mm. 600,000 of their own people, including 200,000 children. Mm. No, but nobody batted an eyelid. No one said, said a word, mm. you know? So they're not, they're not about children. They're not about innocent people. They're about, Jews, mm. that, that, that it's Jews doing it. And then people ask you, why are, they do, why are they doing this to Jews? It's like, what do you answer to that? Like, you can't say whether, like, sure. that's the kind of questions I get. Like, I'm talking to a lot of non-Jewish people that are very, like, good people, but they, how do you answer? That's what I'm like. I think we do, do have to say, I, I think we do have to say something. Yeah. About the, uh, that, that the Jewish people have always been, a, a counter voice and a, and a voice of morality mm. and people don't like that yeah I think that's a good answer yeah. voice of morality but then you're that. applying <laughs> the day <laughs> who? people 
people who are protesting with the pro-Palestinian, yeah. and you say, well, you're against what we stand for, which is a line of morality, moral clarity, they'd say, but I don't have moral clarity. But the, yeah. They're just like the propaganda. That's the other well, thing. Well, I think I think, but but then where, but then again, so so then where were you when the Syrians were being killed? If you have moral yeah, ca- clarity, where question. you know it has to. Yeah. I think it just has to be. We have to stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. We we can't get into that relativist mindset mm-hmm. that like yeah, look, there's there's lots of different rights yeah. and wrongs, and you know like we mm-hmm. we can't get at that. We have to say no. There is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just have to keep saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and if you if you're if you're standing for humanity and you're standing for innocent children, mm. so look Stand look at yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, like we can't we can't back down from it. We just have to keep mm. keep on voicing it. And do you think so? In terms of like our actions, obviously we know what we need to do, mitzvahs and doing good, but. For the non-Jews, what would that, what would their actions be? Like people saying, like, what can I do? Like, I want to do, you know, can I bake you some cookies? It's like, <laughs> well, no, I can't eat them. <laughs> but you know, like, especially in my community, I've got these people wanting to do something. What I mean, what would you? Well, they can help speak us speak up as well. Mm. You know, they can they can also be beacons and spread spread the message of of mm. good. By them being good people and doing good in their own lives, mm. that's also helping. Be be a, a good, nice, charitable person, too good in your... Yeah. That, that is also helping because this is the fight of good against evil. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, they should speak up. You know, silent majorities are not mm. helpful. Mm. Like, yeah. that, the, the, these quiet people who support us, but, you know, quiet, it doesn't help. Yeah. You have to be. You have to speak up. And so you know, you tell them if you if you want to help us. When you hear people mm. saying things, question it. Islamism, not even Islam. There are there are very nice Muslims in the world, and but there is a there is a school of Islam that, um, and Iran is the center of it and the headquarters of it, and Hamas and Hezbollah and the Houthis and they're, they're all the tentacles of, of Iran. So we shouldn't really call it a war against Hamas. We should we shouldn't use them. I mean, they you know they did this particular. But it really has to be against Islam extremism or... Yep. Yep. But the, this, the immediate attack was from Hamas. And so that's the, you know, but yeah, this is really a broader fight. How do we know that this is the final stage? The messianic era. I mean, you seem quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> have been learning have you for had a, a someone in your yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, Kabbalistically, you know, there must I be. Think, I think because what, what, we're, what we're seeing is exactly what 
Mashiach is supposed to be. The Jewish people uniting like never before. I think we all see that and feel that. Like that there's and again there's always exceptions and everything, but like the, the collective energy of the Jewish people, the, the unbelievable unity we have, uh, and coming together, the return to spirituality and to Torah and mitzvahs and like that, that that's that's just the language now. Everybody, you know, like that, that that's what we have to do in the army and in, in throughout Israel, throughout the world, and you know, like it's just it's become the normal thing. Like the, that that's what Mashiach is about, about coming back to our spiritual mission and 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 the fact you've got the whole world looking now at Israel. Think think about how, how reasonable it would be for Israel to come out of this as the world leader. And I don't mean the world leader just in power, but like the moral leader of the world. Mm. You know, finally Israel is talking the language, saying we're not waiting for the world to approve of us. I'm not waiting for you know to looking to at what other people say, we're going to do what, what we have to do. And we're doing it for the whole world. That's the exact words that our leaders are using. We're fighting this for you. They don't want just us. They want, they want to take, take the entire world. We're fighting, so it stops there. So it would be totally normal for Israel to win this war in, a, in, a, in an amazing way. And, and then the world looks and says, okay, we need to learn from you guys right and wrong. Teach us. That's what Mashiach is about. So everything is, is, is lining, lining t- up, up in the right way. And it does say in our, in our writings, and I mentioned it in Shul, the end of last week's parasha ended with the words about Yishmael, who's the father of the Arab nations, yeah. that which literally means he fell in front of all of his brothers. And then this week's parasha starts, Ela told us Yitzchak, these are the generations of Isaac, of Yitzchak. So the commentaries say that the fall of Ishmael will be the rise of Yitzchak and, and of the Jewish people. And that will be the last exile, the last step of, of exile before the redemption will be the battle of Ishmael. And that's Ishmael that carries the sword and the, and the bow and arrow and Correct. Yitzchak is the one with the word. Without any weapons. That's right. That's right. And he's called Pera Adam, a wild, wild man, a man of wildness. And and he makes peace in the end. Before before he dies, Yishmael and Yitzhak, they make peace. Mm. Yeah. Peace in the world. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah, and we're seeing it. Saudi Arabia is is talking peace with Israel now, in the midst of this war. Yeah. Was there not also a time when Jews and Muslims lived in peace, like in Spain? Yeah, not only throughout throughout the Muslim countries, the Jews lived, generally speaking, in most of them, most of the time. Quite peacefully, they were second-class citizens, and they, you know, they, they, they weren't equals, but they were generally, yeah, because that was that was the time of the of the exile of Esau. Esau is the European exile. That was that was till now. That's finished, and now it's the exile of Ishmael. So now it's now they are the enemies. So when did that switch? I mean, after the war, and you know, like. So the Jews were peaceful in the Muslim. 
1948. Mostly, I'm saying, not, not yeah, completely, yeah, I mean, but, you know, yeah, yeah. So until the state of Israel? Yeah. So it literally went from like Asa to Yishma. Yeah. Because of that, because of the declaration. Well, yeah, when when the modern state of Israel was declared, so then they declared war, like mm. all the all the Arab mm. countries, and they kicked out their Jews. Mm. The other thing that's not spoken about so much. No. So as this evil unveiled, as we said, and disintegrates, all these people that are caught in it, let's say. What ha- what's their role? What happens to them in that sense? The people who were... Uh, the pro-Palestinian, like students out there, that those types of people. Well, it, academics it, or people that are just... It, it's, it's, it's starting to happen that it's getting exposed for what it really is. Yeah. It's not... It's not standing up for the oppressed masses. It's it's mm-hmm. hatred. It's a it's yeah. a, it's anti-Semitism, and when that's exposed, yeah. it falls away. When when truth yes. comes to the surface, yeah. like yeah. But then I guess it's also their free will. Hey, whatever they're choosing mm-hmm. to align with. So yeah. I guess that at some point we have to separate from from I guess yeah. Mm-hmm. Distance yourself, but, but yeah. Yep. It's amazing that how it is just being revealed. Like, just Israel, just like doing everything so meticulously, so morally, showing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just and um, they're just providing all of the evidence there. Yep. Um, you can't stop that truth. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. exactly what you were saying. It's. Mm. You just have to watch the Hamas guys speak. Yeah. Like, just watch what they say. Yeah. They, we don't have to... They're yeah. telling it like it is. Yeah, we don't have to make right. anything up. Like, yeah. they yeah. they do the job. Yeah. So you can, you can... You just feel that these people who are supporting it, they just... They don't even know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't have a clue. Like, it's mm-hmm. not... They don't care mm-hmm. what they're saying. It's just... That's that's anti-Semitism, like that's what it is. So you're not worried about anti-Semitism. Worried? Yeah. We're, we, <laughs> have worried. we have to fight it. We have to fight it. We need we need we need CSG. We need police. Yeah. We need you know, we need all that, and we need yeah. we need to fight it hundred percent. I'm not worried about a second Holocaust and like another yeah. you know no that that not. But we have to fight it. We have to be really Can vigilant. Ask, why not? Um. Well, that's something that the Rebbe himself spoke about. He said that, that he quoted um, verses that said that such a thing will not happen twice. Like, the Holocaust was a Holocaust, that will not be repeated. There's nothing, nothing like that happening again. Um, and I think we're in a very different position than we were pre-Holocaust. There's a lot of comparisons about, you know, it's, it's like the 1930s in Germany. And yeah, there's many comparisons, but there are very many contrasts as well. I mean, we have a, we have an army, and we have a, we we have we have strength that we didn't have then. But also, we are we are all so aware of what's happening. We all know exactly what's happening. Like in in the rise of the Nazis, there were Germans in Germany who didn't know what was happening when when the Nazis were rising. Like they didn't believe it until it happened. They didn't believe that that it could happen or it was happening. The Jews in America 
were half in denial about it. Jews here in Australia were, were refusing uh, Jewish refugees. Jewish community in, in, in Australia didn't want Jewish refugees coming here because it's going to cause, you know, anti-Semitism <laughs> and problems. And, you know, like, it was a very different world, Jewish world and, and world generally, to, to what it is today. Mm. Here, we're standing up and we, we are fighting for it. Mm. And we're, we, we know what's happening and we're not going to let it happen. Mm. It's, 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 it's very different. And I think the spiritual awakening that is going on mm. now, that's like, that's a huge force. Mm. That mm-hmm. I think social media as well, because in Germany those days, how did people know? Like now mm. anything happens, the whole world knows. I mean, can you say ignorance is evil? Because I think a lot of pro-Palestinians mm. have got no idea. Yeah. And that whole thing of, you know, being, you, in theory, should also be pro-Palestinian anti-Hamas. Like those things yes. should work very much in alignment. But so, so there's, I guess there's levels of ignorance. And like, if you're getting out there and marching, you should know what you're talking about, right? If you're just sitting on the armchair and saying, oh, you know, I think Israel's wrong, what they're doing. Okay, you're ignorant, you don't know. That's, that's one thing. But if you're getting out there, putting on the, the flags and the kafirs and, and the, the, the pro-Palestinian placards and everything, you should know what you're talking about. And I don't think anyone can claim ignorance about October 7th. Like, Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of indifference, and maybe that's different from ignorance. Like, anyway, you want to say something? No, I think that people might not be dismissing October 7th and still be at a pro-Palestinian march. But I haven't heard that. I haven't heard people say, we condemn yeah. the, the atrocities. They but, don't. you know. They don't do it. Like, every time they interview, can you just, will you condemn? They just stay silent. They're like, they don't want to talk. Like, they yeah. won't. You're right. Yeah. They will not condemn it. Yeah. But there's also news out- outlets that say, summary of the war, and they totally ignore yeah. October 7th, mm. and they just start with mm. images of Gaza. Like, yeah. it's... It's yeah. got to be in the evil cabinet, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, it's not ignorance. Well, media also, some... like, sees themselves yeah. that, that they're the moral voice. Yeah. Like, that, a lot of the media is that way. Yeah. Can I... Sorry, did I mm. interrupt your question? No. I just wanted to... You mentioned the Rebbe. Can you expand a little bit about or discuss the, the Rebbe's views on Israel and where we are now? Like, there was a, there's a lot to take in in terms of he never went to Israel and the idea of Zionism, like, it can get confusing mm-hmm. if you yeah. that. Like, it's a huge, huge topic, um, yeah. worthy of a lecture, yeah. but yes. in, in a nutshell, um, the, the Rebbe's view was that the establishment of the State of Israel was an incredible opportunity for furthering the Mashiach you know, vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that they did it in an anti-religious way set things back. Mm-hmm. In, in other words, the idea that, they sh- that, that the Jews could come together and create a state, uh, you know, it was a, is an amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. The Six-Day War and the victory of that was another amazing opportunity. Mm-hmm. But every time, like, at the establishment of the state, they, they made it without God's name. And, like, mm-hmm. they, they, they erased God's name from the whole... Mm-hmm. Declaration of Independence. Yeah. That, that, that he saw as a tragedy. Mm. And then the Six-Day War was this incredible, miraculous victory. And 
given back Jerusalem and Hebron and all these places and the biblical homeland, you know, and everything. And handing the keys back to the waqf, to the, to the Muslim authorities, you know, and like sort of capitulating to them was, again, like just missing an opportunity, you know. So, um, so I think the, the Rebbe was always extremely supportive of the IDF and, and of, 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 you know, a safe, strong Israel. Um, and, but also that, that it should be one that is based on Jewish values and Jewish belief and like Jewish strength and, yeah. and, and, uh, pride, you know, yeah. not looking at what the world says and trying to make other people happy and, yeah. you know, and as far as giving land to the Palestinians, he always said the same thing, yeah. ask the military, what it should be not a political decision, it should be a military decision. Is it safe to give land? Because if the military says, yeah, we can give this land and we'll get peace for that. You know, if they're saying it's safe to do it and it'll, it'll increase peace, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But they never did. Mm-hmm. The military always said that it's crazy to give away the land because we're exposing ourselves. Mm-hmm. The, it was a, always a political thing. Mm-hmm. So if it would save lives to give land, of course, but the Rebbe always mm-hmm. insisted it wouldn't. And what, what, what happened with Gaza is exactly what the Rebbe said would would happen that like you give them land and they create a, a terrorist state at your doorstep mm. i mean i could understand what color of israel sort of means you know the idea of like it's it's sort of like it struck me like the kush like to, i guess kashrut has the same sliding scale so if you think about israel in the same light of that it sort of um, I resonated for me about oh I see what what color of Israel might really mean like the idea of being able to be you know I, I think we've adopted so many ways and as a secular do my whole life um, you know I think we know very little about what being Jewish really is about and so endeavoring to learn about it like is is helping me understand my purpose in the world mm. but but it's very hard to just kind of have any clear compass without having some clarity around that identity mm. and uh and then being able to adhere to what the halachic kind of outline is because mm. you know that at the end of the day i guess that's what god's uh god's kind of um mm. uh, gift to us was I guess and there's such a lack of knowledge, I think, for, for Jews around the world. And, um, and I think it's our responsibility to learn. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, long way to go. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, you can look at the borders of Israel as well as being our, our borders of, of our Jewish life. You know, that like, if you want minimalist borders and you've got like, the enemy's right on the border, that's not defensible. Mm. You have to maximal, maximalize the border, maximize the borders, like spread the borders, you know, and, and push the enemy back. So what happens to Muslims, like, in the Shia? Is it just that extremist Islam donate. is eradicated uh-huh. and yeah? That, so that is the, so all, all nations will, will, will recognize that yeah, the Jewish people, they have that, that moral truth mm. and we want to learn from that. Mm. And it doesn't mean they have to become Jewish. Mm. They don't have to become Jewish. They can, but they, but they'll, we'll serve one God together. 
And so, like the Temple Mount, they'll want to give to us. Well, they're the closest religion to just seven Noahite, like other religions. Yeah, well, they're very, they're, they're, they are monotheistic, yeah. like pro- pure monotheism. Yeah. Um, so we have to do a lot of teaching. We have to do a lot of learning. That's right. That's what we're going to get ready for. In terms of the way Israel defines itself, like with Zionism and that whole history, do you think that, how will that change? I mean, like there's a lot of, for instance, in the Hasidic community, like this idea of Zionism isn't really the Israel, as you said, that we're wanting it to be because that idea is not based on spiritual idea of mm-hmm. what Israel is so is there gonna do you see like that change in structure government like what's the yeah I think practically but it, how does yeah that it'll be it'll out? be it'll be evolving like type of thing but it'll be that like the, the the rule and the government of Israel will be based on Torah values and 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 people will want that like that that's mm-hmm. what people it's not gonna be forced like mm-hmm. some you know like the Islamic revolution you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's gonna be yeah we, we want that moral clarity. Mm. Watching the soldiers go before they go into Gaza, saying Shema yeah. and Hashem Melech, and we're the king, you know, we're, mm. we're representing the army of David and everything. I thought, won't they want to put God back into the declaration? Mm-hmm. Like, won't they, like, as just a starting point, like, yeah. won't you want to see that we are not, we can't trust world opinion and we can't trust, you know, the priest process, we can't trust anything that we've put our trust into. And that sense of Hashem, mm-hmm. like I thought, I, I imagine that everyone who's fought is going to want to put mm-hmm. Hashem into that. That's That, that was just like yeah, a, a slow that's yeah. amazing, yeah. So that will be revealed that way through the soldiers mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. Or so saying, as right. people experience it in, you know, understanding and closeness. Mm-hmm. And like, I think our souls are so open right now. Mm-hmm. And everyone's so connected to their Neshama in a much deeper way. So... Yeah. It will naturally follow that. Yeah. That's another thing the Rebbe said about the establishment of the state. Like, if we stake our claim to Israel based on a United Nations mm. declaration in 1948, you know, 47, that is very weak. Mm. Because then the Arabs say, well, we were there, and you, you know, at our expense, you just, you know, declare a state, you know, basically, you know, like, that's not our claim. Our claim to Israel is because that's our land thousands of years mm. that, that, that that's 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 our home that's where we've been for thousands of years there's always been a jewish presence there's, there, there was never uh, the, the jews never left but always there yeah and 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 we, we you know the, the palestinian nation was was invented in in the, in the 60s i'm saying that that word before the 1960s doesn't even exist mm. um so like the, our claim is a biblical one mm. and the biblical claim is one that the nations of the world recognize mm. they all read the bible like they know the bible and they know that it's, it's about us mm. you know they're, they're about to have you know their holidays uh, you know the 25th of december is to celebrate a jewish boy born in bethlehem a jewish city to, you know like there are no arabs in the in the, in the new testament mm. <laughs> it talks about all you know like this is Jews and Romans. Like the Romans came to conquer the Jews. Like it's there. It's there in even in their Bible. Mm. So like that language is understood. This was always our land, mm. and yeah, it's just so absurd, isn't it? Mm. Like 
I, I was so triggered when I heard a woman saying that um, just because you claim that, that that's your land based on your delusional book. And you, I feel like that's not an argument worth having because you can't convince someone based on something that is your faith that that proves anything. Mm. And while there's a lot of Christian people that do attest to that, there are other religions that don't, and they think it's a yeah. But what they, they, they think Jesus didn't exist, like they, they think that, that he wasn't. That I'm saying their religion, you know, like even if they're not Christian, like religious Christian, they might they might not believe the miracles in the Bible, but 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 they believe it did, that that these people weren't there. Like like this is, this is historical. Like this is, you know. So yeah, you can't argue with someone who's just gonna dismiss, you know. Yeah, but even the fact that the Iran is the what is like the secretary of the UN, like it's so absurd. Yeah. So absurd. So it is that yeah. revelation yeah. of how. But I think we're East yeah. as well that there's the biblical claim which is the foundation of everything. But there is also legal claim. We did win those wars. <laughs> and that's the way countries have been developed throughout history. So you can, whichever direction mm. and whichever way you're coming from, mm. there's still other claims. And mm. I'm not saying that that's where we put our faith into it, but that's the way countries are developed. They have a war and the borders change and mm. that's what happens. Mm. And we did, we won that in 1967. Mm. We, you know, and in 1948, we won those lands. So it's also a very normal thing that happens. And then there's refugees, and then they build a life somewhere else. We know the story of refugees. We've been there all our, you know, all our history. Mm. And they haven't been able to pick themselves up for, for that long. So there's also, like, whichever, like, way you come from, there is also other arguments. It's not just mm. the biblical, which is the foundation. That's the core. That's why we want Israel and not another land. Mm. Um, that is, you know, for us, but even mm. for someone who's coming from a place where they don't have the faith, well, that's just mm. the way it works. Mm. So okay, I might ask this one last question. I'm sure everyone's ready to go to sleep for tomorrow. Um, but I said, what, what do you think being um, um, uh, uh, a Jew, uh, uh, like what do you think is the spiritual... Uh, um, I guess embodiment of a Jew, like how how might that by like how would you how would you express what that form looks like? Because of course we're all very different, um, and we all have a, a measure. But would you say that adhering to God's laws would be the spiritual embodiment of a Jew? Well, yeah, yeah, and and. Being being the representative of him down here, like to to express his his will and his vision down here, that is that's, that's what, what being that's, that's been thrust upon us. That yeah, the, you know the word Zionism comes from Zion, which is a biblical name that's used for the land of Israel, for the Beis Hamikdash, the temple, and for the Jewish people. And and the word Zion, what it actually means, is a sign. A sign, meaning, like when you see a sign, the sign says there's something there. The sign is not for the sign. The sign is for what's 
what it represents, right? So the Jewish people are a sign. We're a sign for something else. We, we represent that there's something higher. And the, the land of Israel represents there's something higher. It's the holy land. We're the holy people. Holy means there's, there's something bigger, there's something, there's something greater. That's what, that's what we are. That's what we represent. That's our existence. It's thrust upon us, whether we like it or not. This is who we are. You go to Israel, there's a sense of something higher. The Jewish people, our existence, okay, there's a higher... How can the Jewish people still be around? How can we still be here? Like, because there's something higher. You can't, you just can't deny it. That's what we are. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Thank you. Thank you. Please, when you all take some fruit, please take some fruit home. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's a great Mr. Ziggy. 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 Ziggy